have you guys ever uh, seen a Starlink satellite fly overhead before? No, have you? I probably have and not not realized what it was, but you know, then again, I do live in a city, so I don't know. It's all it's all light pollution to me. Last summer, like towards the end of August, uh, I was out uh, on the deck up at the mountain, and we were looking up at the stars, smoking a joint. I think we were listening to, I don't know, some fucking psychedelic music, because that's what you do at night when you're on the mountain and there's just nobody else around and you're getting high. You are a Pacific Northwest cliche at this point. Yeah. My, my dude, you have, you have gone totally native. Uh- <laughs> I mean, you know, when in Rome, but no, we were sitting out. I was sitting out, uh, sitting out on the deck. Uh, I may or may not have had clothes on because there's no one around. So who knows? Um, but I look up and I see like these lights just fly overhead. And I thought it was a plane at first, but then I saw just like, I was like eight little lights in a, in a row. And for a brief moment, I was like, did I see a fucking UFO? Anyway, I went on Twitter and, you know, looked Seattle Starlink and a couple other people that were out in the mountain saw it too. So I was felt a little bit better about myself, but then I was like, what if this motherfucker flew over my house just to take pictures of me naked on my deck and blackmail me? <laughs> and that's that's that good old Pacific Northwest marijuana paranoia for you. <laughs> yeah, especially because fortunately, as far as we know, uh, Starlink satellites are not spy satellites with with uh, cameras that we know them. of. <laughs> they are just transmitting data. But oh my god. One of the things, you know, that kind of sucks is, you know, you're a child, you grow up reading some sci-fi, you think, wow, and or maybe you're not, you don't do sci-fi, but you like passively consume the internet of things propaganda, and you're like, oh, wow, you know, it probably would make sense if we just had like a large network and like nodes and nodes of things floating around in the atmosphere, getting data on things, helping, you know, accelerate internet, uh, you know, information transmitted from the internet internet uh information transmitted from sensors you know like this would be this is part of the new sphere waking up you know this is part of our optimizing our information environment and then what do we get the dumbest stupidest possible version of it where it's a guy who's polluting the sky and 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 marring the images that we're going to get of our cosmos uh, that is also accruing on his own a lot of power, as we'll talk about today, a lot of geopolitical power that he has no business accruing and waving it around in conflicts. Um, and then also someone who just like should not really be trusted with putting things into the sky um, and creating a potentially creating a debris cloud, which would then make sure we never leave, which is the whole premise of putting this shit up there in the first place, right? It's so that we can leave the goddamn fucking planet instead of... <laughs> Elon Musk being like, uh, if we can't make it to Mars, then I'm trapping y'all in here with me. I ain't trapped on Earth with you. You're trapped on Earth with me. I love it. Love that he's a fifth columnist for this sort of shit. It's great, but wish it wasn't fucking happening. (laughs) (laughs) How long before it's a true mask off moment for him? And he, uh, he has a press conference and he slowly puts on that blue helmet with a shiny visor. And you look and there's a big X where the Cobra 
logo should be. And he announces his true intentions to the world. I think it'll be soon. I think he's going to, you know, maybe I think like he was really feeling the Batman bits and the Batman jokes. And he's sitting there somewhere like, okay, when am I going to do, when am I going to debut my ex costume? friends and enemies it's episode 272 of this machine kills i'm jathan joined by ed and producer jeremy as always and yes it is it is time to to talk about the like the what what i always thought of was the the redheaded stepchild of elon musk's ventures and turns out i was i was woefully wrong i really um did not take starlink seriously at like a technical or operational level um but but uh, a very very good new piece of uh, investigative reporting by the New York Times shows that I I was I was incorrect um on that matter that Starlink is actually the only uh technically uh and operationally successful endeavor um that Elon has has uh has under his belt and man I I really opened my eyes to just what Starlink has become uh, and how important um, geopolitically it, it is. Like, I, I mean, we'll get into it for sure because I think this piece is extremely um, good. It's well-reported. It's also, like I said, just very eye-opening in terms of like what's like how exponentially Starlink has grown. Like my, 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 my kind of view of it um, as this, technically and operationally janky kind of uh you know moonshot or whatever low earth orbit shot <laughs> more like it um is wrong now it was correct like two years ago i just haven't updated my 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 perspective on it because i didn't know but over these last two years or so the starlink has grown so fucking exponentially they're putting 60 satellites into low earth orbit a week. I mean it's it's insane. And so we're I think we're we're going to get into all of that because you know all of the dangling keys of what Elon Musk does with with Twitter uh with Tesla um all of that kind of shit I think really distracts from like the thing that if there's anything that's actually going to make him either a supervillain or uh, black bagged and debriefed by the CIA. It's gonna be Starlink. It's fucking like satellite I- internet business of all things is gonna be the thing that like sets him on a path towards either like actual real world super villainy or um, he's just gonna disappear uh, one day and then reappear with like very different opinions <laughs> about how this business should operate. Um, and and that that. That to me is definitely some of a, a, a weird kind of wrinkle that Starlink would be the thing that is now convincing me that like 
that's that's where Elon's real power actually lies. You know, it is also kind of surprising that this is actually his only business because I would have expected, you know, I think like if we step back and we look at the businesses he's proposed and the if they were functional, if each one of them were working as intended, each of them would wield pretty significant power in their own, you know, market space and also in like a political, cultural and economic arenas, right? You have, you know, a car company that if it were operating on all cylinders, humming and hoeing would have a huge say in the infrastructure of charging, right? In mobilizing or deterring certain groups from building out the electric charging infrastructure in certain ways and the designs of electric vehicles and the types of features that consumers are interested in as well as the supply chains right to construct these things in the first place and then a lot of the you know um, you know those those kind of uh demands that it, it imposes also then doing a good deal to drive investment um and to train uh, consumers to have to want certain things and train investors into pursuing certain things, right? So that so you know that's Tesla. You know if X were humming along, sorry, if uh, Twitter were humming along, uh, you know uh, on its right uh, cylinders on all the cylinders, this would be like a communications payments platform that would give them a huge leverage and control over consumers that are on the app, even if it's a small sliver compared to the major social media and social and surveillance platforms, such as uh, Facebook, right? Um, if uh, SpaceX were humming along, like this would allow him first mover advantage in privatizing uh, space travel, right? And commercializing it essentially and giving him, you know, um, pretty strong contracts with not only our government, but other uh, international uh, agencies or organizations that are looking to go into space for one reason or another, whether it's science, whether it's commerce. And if there's Neuralink, then it'll give you a huge role in the design and the development um, in the, in the path, in the, you know, ideas and forming devices that are going to be used to augment human intelligence are going to be used to, uh, you know, interface with human minds, right? And and so with you know with Neuralink right as we talked about I mean not with Neuralink but Starlink as we talked about in the cold open like ostensibly this would also be a really important thing for an information based civilization to just have like this ecosystem of nodes networks satellites interacting with each other floating over all the countries but I think because none of them have worked out the way that he has foreseen except in or the way that we might foreseen if we thought of capitalist was acting logically. Um, except in a few key areas with each of these industries, right? It is a surprise that Starlink, as much of a goofball operation it might be at times, seems to be the one that has netted him, maybe not the most in terms of wealth, but as this article, I think, makes a case for a huge degree of like personal, like a personal extension of his power that translates into geopolitics pretty much more cleanly than like lithium or than tweets or then you know uh, neural mind interfaces or then um, rockets to take ships into uh, you know lower earth orbit yeah and and I mean you're you're right that like 
all of these ventures he has, they could be doing so much more. I mean, one, they, they could be like so much more powerful uh, and influential than they already are. Because, I mean, we shouldn't downplay the fact that like, while a lot of these things are, are totally fucking like fly by night operations, like Tesla has a lot of fucking power and leeway in uh, uh, the electric vehicle um, industry, right? Like, like these things are really do have a lot of power. They do give him a lot of power and influence. Um, and a lot of that is tied to the fact that they are like, you know, controlled by this very, volatile cult of personality um that like you know just just fucking operates by impulse alone um and and it is like we it's almost a small blessing that like the fact that like one person has uh, maintains complete control over all these different and like uh you know big big entries in the different industries that they it's it's a small blessing that they don't work better <laughs> because mm-hmm. because it could be a lot worse. Like obviously it could be a whole lot fucking better um, if if they were act you know uh, actually operating in like a not just a rational sense. And this goes back to what we were talking about in our in the last premium episode about like the eco modernism, right? Like the idea is not to be like oh uh, Elon is an irrational capitalist and we right. as rational socialists should be uh, could manage Tesla better or whatever it's like right. no we need something radically different not just better managers of the capitalist machine but we are kind of blessed that we that he is not <laughs> a good manager um, of these things because they could be a lot worse but then it's also, and, and I think that was the thing that really surprised me about reading uh, this piece on Starlink is that even despite all of that, Elon Musk is like his name is actively on the lips of like top military and intelligence officials around the world, right? Like this this piece, which again, it's in the New York Times. We'll have a link to it in the description. It's called Elon Musk's Unmatched Power in the Stars. The tech billionaire has become the dominant power in satellite internet technology. The way he is wielding that influence are, are raising global alarms. And this piece starts with what will be, I think, really the, the big linchpin here is the Ukrainian war. Like, it's the war in Ukraine that really actually jump-started Starlink um, as this, like, High, really successful, very well capitalized, um, exponentially growing business. Like the the war in Ukraine has been so fucking good for Starlink, um, and it's a point of real concern, like strategic concern for um, the uh, U.S., European, and Ukrainian uh, military and uh, intelligence officials because Starlink is so heavily relied upon um, by the Ukrainian military. This piece starts with a meeting between um, the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staffs for the U.S., uh, General Mark A. Milley, uh, and then the, the general who's the leader of Ukraine's armed forces, um, and, and they are discussing, you know, uh, Russia's invasion and, and all of that. And, uh, you know, it, it, the piece starts over the secure line. The two military leaders conferred on air defense systems, real-time battlefield assessments, and shared intelligence on Russia's military losses. 
they also talked about Elon Musk, right? And so you've got this like Ukrainian um, top general who's basically asking the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, what's your assessment on Elon Musk? Like, you know, what, what's your assess, like your intelligence assessment on this guy? Like, what's his business interests? What's his politics? Like, all of it seems so murky. Um, all of it seems so volatile and arbitrary in some ways. Um, and the, the, you know, the piece reports that, uh, to which American officials gave no answer, rather at least no answer that the, that the, the New York Times Amazing. could report on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really, like that really actually sets the scene here is that like, while all of us are talking about this dude because of his fucking, you know, spectacles around Twitter and X and, you know, and, and, and many of us, uh, uh, on the show and listening have long followed him um, and long recognized him for the, the, the fucking idiotic, Oh, you know, overly pa- overpowered um, tech billionaire that he is. And they've been long critical of Tesla um, and SpaceX, you know, shout out to Paris Marx, of course, who is like just living on the Elon Musk beat at this, <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think it is very interesting that despite all of these like, you know, kind of more spectacle based things that he does, it's Starlink that has kind of, you know, flown under the radar. Uh, no, no pun intended here that, that it's, it's started, you know, space link SpaceX gets attention because of like, especially with the big battle between SpaceX and blue origins with the contracts over NASA and the lawsuits, um, and you know, the, the kind of pissing contest between, um, Bezos and Musk and, you know, SpaceX gets attention because it's like, oh, is this privatizing, um, space travel or commercial, um, or industrial, uh, space missions, you know, like all of that kind of stuff. But despite all of that, like, I feel like it's Starlink that has kind of flown under the radar in terms of like the spectacle here. And yet that is the one that has, uh, you know, the most like geopolitically powerful people in the world right now being like, do we have an assessment on Musk? Like, why are we so dependent on Musk? I mean, we'll get into this later in the piece, but it's talking about like American generals who are reticent to talk shit about Elon Musk um, because they are afraid uh, that he might turn off their access to Starlink, right? Because he might just like impulsively decide, well, fuck you. You don't get, you don't get inter- the satellite internet anymore, right? Which is like a really wild thing to, to think about that, um, you know, Elon Musk has always been, I mean, I, I called him in my book a, a glorified government contractor, right? That's, that's all he is. Like he has always been the beneficiary of massive, public subsidies um, from in terms of, you know, public investment, um, government contracts, like he, all of his businesses only subsist on the, on the teat of, uh, of, of government money. Right. But that, that's, that goes, that's a two way street where like, that also means that the government has ceded a lot of fucking power and influence to him. And now they are kind of, being like, fuck, is that uh, actually a bad thing that we've done that? But also, um, we are so committed to 
uh, like seeding this ground that, uh, like for them, it's like this is the only choice, right? Of course, of course, these things are going to be privately provided, and they're going to be privately provided by somebody who, you know, not that long ago, the general con- public consensus was he was some kind of fucking, you know, uh, genius tech visionary. Um, you know, whatever. Now I think people are getting pretty wise to the fact that he's a, a, a really absurd, idiotic man, baby, who has, mm-hmm. you know, really bad impulse control um, and, and a narc- like narcissism on a degree rarely seen. Um, but now they're like, well, we're in bed with him now. Like we've all, we, I was talking to a friend of the show, Michael Richardson, who studies, you know, the, the kind of politics and cultures of, of military. I mean, we were talking about the Starlink piece and he was telling me that like the military has basically not, has basically ceded all ground of like satellite internet communication, low earth orbit communication networks, like has basically just ceded that to the private sector, which largely means they have ceded it to SpaceX because SpaceX is, uh, accounts for more than 50% of active satellites around earth, not just in low earth orbit, but also geosynchronous orbit over 50% of active satellites are Starlink satellites right now. Um, that the, the, you know, um, this, the piece talks about that there are more than 4,500 Starlink satellites in the sky right now. Um, accounting for more than 50% of all active satellites. Um, they have already started changing the complexion of the night sky, even before accounting for Mr. Musk's plans to have as many as 42,000 satellites in orbits in the coming years. And that's going to be possible. I mean, these satellites are the size of sofas. Um, so they're big, but they're not the gigantic like school bus size satellites um, that are uh, in like the farther geosynchronous orbits, like low earth orbit is really close to the planet. Um, but because they're like relatively small, SpaceX is sending rockets up almost every single week, delivering dozens of these satellites. So that's how over the last two years, they've been able to go from having like relatively few satellites to now having the majority of satellites uh, in the in the sky. Um, and again, a lot of that is, I think, as well, like, well, it's, I, I don't think, I know it's like directly funded by massive amounts of money that they're getting from government contracts um, where, you know, the, the Starlink terminals are on a, a, a big capital upfront cost where you're paying, I think it's like $600 per Starlink terminal for an upfront cost of the device. And I think he's charging governments. Like I think for an individual, it's like $75 a month for a Starlink internet access, right? Um, if you, after you pay that $600 upfront cost. But for uh, uh, businesses and governments, including, you know, militaries, um, that's up, that's, hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of dollars in subscription costs per month per terminal. So that money starts really fucking adding up. And this has become a really big point of contention with the Ukrainian military basically saying, uh, you know, unless, unless we continue the current situation where the Department of Defense, the Pentagon is kind of picking up the tab for Ukraine's Starlink services um, and the Ukrainian military saying that like 
you know, if if we have to start paying for that, we can't afford it, right? And Musk is saying, well, that's too bad. This is a business, right? Um, so I don't know. It's just really fucking wild to see so much power handed over to somebody so for this thing to be you know, flow on, fly under the radar to such a huge degree in this way. You know, it's, it's also in some way, resentingly, begrudgingly, respect to Hustle in one way because he took an area where he understood that the military was uh, severely under-resourced, right? A provision of these satellites across the atmosphere. Knew that it didn't have the infrastructure to backfill what, what its own projected capacity or necessity for these satellites would be because it, you know we had been neglecting and cannibalizing our ability to put things into space at least through the through the government itself um built up a company that would be able to do it and by virtue of being a company that partners with the government to do these things the government's going to continue to give you the funds even after you outstrip their capacity to do it because there's no built-in check on privatization of the government, even though it's supposed to be the you know the <laughs> this massive actor that's you know uh, you know uh, counterbalanced sometimes in these public private partnerships, right? Instead of being the thing that's cannibalized by them, ostensibly when we're talking about the military, not so much the um, social programs, right? But then again, even with the military, that's not even true because they you know the military does have core functions superseded by private entities increasingly since you know, the second war on terror. I mean, and even before then, right? So I, I, I think it's probably like, it seems like it's an area that no one else seemed to pay attention to. He jumped in. It's too late to stop him. Um, and the obvious solution, right, seizing control of all the satellites themselves is not going to happen. There's no fucking way in hell they're going to be like, oh, the national security concern, let's take it over. I mean, they would if it was like Chinese. If it was Chinese, we would do that. <laughs> right right you know xi jinping had like phone calls with or even if he was like friendly to china you know maybe we might consider that we might talk about clean tech we need to have clean starlink universe um or clean starlink uh, ecosystem if anything this is actually something i think the pentagon likes because this new york times piece reports that china has been complaining that yeah. there are so many uh starlink satellites in low earth orbit that it's filling up the space and preventing other satellites from being launched, i.e. Chinese satellites. Like, China wants to launch thousands and tens of thousands of their own um, satellites, but they're they're complaining, being like, Starlink is filling up all the space in the sky. We, we don't have, like, and so if anything, the Pentagon's like, hell yeah, like, all right, well, that benefits us that Musk, like, you know, fucking pump so much money into pumping so many satellites into the sky. And that means China's having a harder time putting their satellites in the sky. So if anything, quite the opposite. The Pentagon's probably uh, ha- happy to, to to count the win. Yeah, better dead than red, you know, better dead than red. And <laughs> if there's right. a bunch of satellites in the sky that are crashing into each other and causing debris of frustrate our ability to go into space if there's an egomaniacal billionaire who's uh, risking geopolitical brinksmanship because he has mood swings and is self-medicating with ketamine and shrooms uh, you know that's okay as long as it's not china right and i do think that yeah i am curious actually to see what happens once his geopolitical role is even more 
consolidated and preserved, right? Because this only this this trend's only going to get worse, right? There's no there's no indication, and there's little indication. No, it doesn't seem like there's a capacity or willingness, as you pointed out, to do anything about um, Musk's privatization of this of you know of aerospace right of low earth orbit of the satellites that go into it and of the fact that it's a, it's useful geopolitically at the moment right it's a marriage of convenience but it's also gonna you know i mean there's it's gonna have a myriad of effects just beyond like explicitly locking out people from shooting at rockets right because it's still it seems like you know he's gonna be the one with the infrastructure that's built out He's going to be one the one where his designs are also going to put a limit on what kind of satellites other people are going to have, right? You're going to have to make satellites in response to the fact that his are filling up the sky to figure out a way to either, um, you know, navigate the 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 forty two thousand uh, you know paths that are going to be traveled by these satellites, or you know, and I don't really know much about you know, what sort of standards or communication standards satellites have. But I imagine that this is probably a process. We, I wouldn't be surprised if Starlink and, you know, other actors are like trying to corner it similar to what we talked about with Huawei, right? Where one of the reasons why Huawei and China were able to secure geopolitical prominence was not simply like having the ICT infrastructure set up, right? That's important, but you can rip that out cleanly and replace it, right? But they also were setting the standards, right? They're setting the rules and guidelines and you know how the data was formatted and how the information was shared and transmitted for these devices, right? That went on to influence the design and the shape and the form of the digital world and the internet and the way these devices communicate to each other and what's possible, not possible with them. And I'd be interested in knowing as, you know, some follow-up into this that we, you know, we can dig into is, um, you know, what is Musk doing on the flip side? Is he shaping standards? Are there standards to be shaped, right? Beyond building the material infrastructure and doing this politicking on the side, what else is, what else is our boy up to? I think that's a really key question here for sure that gets deeper to that like you know the the kind of the 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 real material regulatory infrastructure of standards i mean i think that's i think that's exactly right i mean you know it doesn't like i mean just the amount of power that he's been able to wield in a in an extremely like volatile situation with the ukrainian war you know a, a very geopolitically fraught situation like this is this is not like you know turning off the access for uh, hikers in the mountains or so you know like something like that right where it's like like can like you know he's he's affecting like consumer access in the in the australian outback or in some remote area it's like no he's actively dis like deciding and controlling um which areas of Ukraine receive service, right? And like the Ukrainian military is having to change their strategies and tactics according to um, if they have Starlink service uh, in a, in an area. And, and 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 you know as well, it's been really lucrative for him. As I mentioned, I mean, just to give some numbers to that, um, there is over forty two thousand Starlink terminals in Ukraine alone. Uh, you know. It's estimated, um, SpaceX estimates that the cost um, at, is at nearly $400 million for 12 months of service. 
um, for for Ukraine. And so that's, you know, SpaceX is telling the uh, U.S. Uh, Defense Department that, um, it, you know, it cannot continue the arrangement that it currently has where SpaceX initially covered some of the cost and the U.S. and other allies to Ukraine provide also provided f- uh, funding. SpaceX is telling the Pentagon um, that arrangement can't continue. Like, you or them or somebody needs to pay the full cost, which is, you know, $400 million for a year of service to the existing terminals there. Um, I mean, like, I, I think it speaks to your 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 point, which is dead on here, where if he's able to wield that much power at like the surface level of like, you know, control of access to the Internet, control of access over the service, um, having you know, the Pentagon and, and Europe and all of these and the Ukrainian army, like having them all on the line and being able to, uh, you know, like a, like a car dealership, right? Like bilk them for extra money to be like, uh, well, if you want to continue service, it's actually going to cost you this much more. And, and then, and then people just essentially being like, well, I have no other choice. I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, this piece reports that Europe, in large part in response to the uh, to Musk's uh, and Starlink's dominance in this uh, space, here we go. The European Union, partly driven by misgivings about Starlink and Mr. Musk, also earmarked 2.4 billion euros or 2.6 billion dollars last year to build a satellite constellation for civilian and military use. I'm sorry, but that's a little too too little too late. You yeah, know, yeah. like as is the case with Europe with technology constantly time and time again, right? Exactly. Like start like Elon has the first mover advantage here. Jeff Bezos has talked about his plan to to use Blue Origin and what he calls Project Cooper um, or Cupier or whatever to to launch satellites, but they've yet to even launch one, uh, let alone, you know, thousands like SpaceX has. European Union being like, we're going to spend 2.4 billion euros to to create a constellation of satellites. And it's like, okay, well, that's like startup cost, you know? Like SpaceX has already pumped so much more money uh, into uh, into operations that have been ongoing and are on like scheduled, uh, you know, uh, um, rocket releases and and so on. Like I don't know. Like it, it just seems like nobody's really taking seriously the idea of competing with him. Which again speaks to this idea of like, well, if he's controlling it at this like really like like surface material level then what other power is he having at like a standards and regulatory level as well and how is what's not going reported here or what are people not investigating i think is a really a big issue that not only sets the scene for like what currently exists but how it can exist going on into the future there's been a lot of like really intense like drone usage and i'm not talking like big like reaper drones like the u.s uses i'm talking like smaller commercial sized drones that you can buy at like hobby stores that are being used as like improvised weapons you know like there been drones uh, crashed into buildings in moscow or in kiev like what part of that comes from the you know you're able to utilize the range on starlink like mm-hmm. i mean there's a weaponization possibility with the fact that he's got all these and 
I know, I know I joked about him being Cobra commander, but let's all admit this, this guy's like, he's rich and he's got the mentality of a 13 year old boy levels of not caring about anybody but himself. When does Starlink become something that can legitimately be weaponized? Yeah, it'd be interesting to know also what are the concerns, like what are concerns there that are in place, not just because of like the nature of the technology, but also like the way in which he's building the network out and the lack of internal controls, if any, he's like, you know, got in play. I would, that's another thing that would be interesting as a follow up, right? Like, what are the standards? What's the regulatory uh, environment look like? And then what are, what are just like the real concerns that would be there for any company, but are especially there because it's Musk's uh, Starlink? Well, and this piece does talk about that it is used, Starlink is used and is really crucial to coordinating um, drone strikes in Ukraine. So that, that is actually happening where, you know, uh, both reconnaissance and, and, uh, and weapon, um, drones, because it's like, you know, with Starlink, they're able to get simultaneous, you know, um, foot video footage from drones, um, and, and extend their range and, and so on. So that is absolutely happening. Um, I think another thing that's really worth talking about here, though, is the the like intelligence um, that SpaceX and Starlink uh, 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 gives Elon Musk. I mean, the New York Times piece. I, I, I missed this tweet from him in April, but the New York Times piece misses a, or, or uh, quotes a tweet from Elon where he says. At times, Mr. Musk has openly flaunted Starlink's capabilities. Quote, between Tesla, Starlink, and Twitter, I may have more real-time global economic data in one head than anyone ever. And, you know, it's fucking uh, <laughs> you know, audacious and bombastic. But also, it's a great shitpost. <laughs> it's a great shitpost, but also not exactly wrong because Tes- uh, SpaceX has data about every single starlink terminal you know like like they have data about the the usage and location of every starlink terminal they are controlling the transmission of data being uh, downloaded and uploaded from starlink terminals and the satellites right like you know they have a lot of fucking information as well this is a huge intelligence network i mean we you know joked earlier about like you know the uh, spacex uh starlink spying on you um smoking a joint out on your on your uh patio or whatever but like well you know you know well it's that's not what the satellites are the satellites are not reconnaissance you know um satellites like that but they are absolutely information gathering satellites if anything just due to their function as information communication as data communication um and transmission satellites right and so like it gives musk a uh you know he's not wrong to say that he has a lot of fucking you know date like like information um, in his head, um, fused from all these different endeavors that he has, and that, but that is also part of the problem there as well, right? Like, um, it, it goes, it goes back to this, this thing that I, I was saying at the top of the show, where it's like, you know, he, he's, it's put, it puts him in such a, a, a strange position in relation to 
the military and intelligence communities uh, of the world, right? Where um, he he becomes uh, like a major linchpin. He becomes something that they really depend upon and rely upon, but he also becomes a real liability um, in a lot of ways, not just because of the access uh, and, and control that he has to this infrastructure, but because of the uh, information he has from the infrastructure. And I, I think that is a, a kind of a very interesting and I, I mean I don't I don't know how like how that shakes out at all but I think it is a really interesting kind of aspect here of this you know it's it's just like curious because also it's like you know how long you know what the piece left me wondering also like how long did it take to like I would love to know a little bit more about the timeline in terms of like at what at what at what point were they like huh that's interesting He's got this much, huh? That's a problem, huh? This is a concern, huh? We need to talk about it, huh? We need to have a policy about it. Like, you know, the even even in um, you know, even in the maps provided by the Times, it seems like uh, all the periods of inquiry are already past the point of like t- not total control, but at least like total uh, necessity for a lot of the countries that, to rely on Starlink, right, for these military operations, uh, for internet service. You know, during you know, for coordination of you know, operations or drone strikes, right? And also of um of of something that surprised me is of like how his singular plan is one that rivals or it will signal into like a significant portion of like future corporate plans, right? Like there's much later on in the piece after talking about the how integral it's been to the Ukraine war efforts, right? To you know, fighting with Russia, coordinating effort, and looking at the looking at the overlays and seeing how integral Starlink is now to just providing access in the entire country. Seeing the plans with the International Telecommunication Union to launch tens and tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands of satellites, right? Whereas, like, you have a company, and and this is like a plan of seven companies, uh, of which you know. Musk is providing those 42,000, right? And this is like compared to Amazon, the other our other favorite monopolist, right? Which has two or was going to put two into orbit back in yeah, uh, May. Yeah, they aborted the mission. <laughs> right? You know, so I think, you know, here they kind of, they kind of raised the point as we were talking about earlier, right? You know, in this section from Taiwan to Europe, they are talking about how you know, there is a larger concern or there's a standing concern in general when it comes to global relations and global and geopolitics of tech that countries generally have about who's in control of this tech, of this layer of the tech stack, who's in control of the supply chain, who's in control of this or that and the third, right? And China comes up especially because, you know, the United States has been gearing up for its economic war with China. Um, has been gearing up to, you know, cripple China's ability to access artificial intelligence or access, you know, like, you know, re- uh, metals that would be necessary for uh, advanced electronics or for advanced forms of uh, um, computation and algorithmic control and governance, right? And and here it is interesting that the way that, you know, they kind of talk about Musk, uh, they're like, you know, we're worried that if we order devices from, Starlink, we fall into some Chinese trap because Musk has 
um, is entangled with China, right? Because 50% of Tesla's cars are manufactured in Shanghai. And so Taiwan is saying we don't trust, you know, reliance on, we don't trust Starlink and we don't, you know, intend to rely on it or we would like to not rely on it because Beijing could lean on them immediately, right? And so we're going to work with satellite providers that are not them. And, and so you see here the debates about like, okay, who owns this, that, or the third part of this, of the sovereign of the, um, sorry, who owns this, that, or third part of the tech stack, who's going to help us create a sovereign satellite constellation, but still missing kind of like that larger question we're asking, right? Like, for example, like when the mention of the international telecommunications union, what is the international telecommunications, um, union's position on Starlink, right? What are these international governmental bodies you know, thinking about the fact that a corporate actor is going to provide the vast majority of the low Earth orbit satellites? What do they think about the need for a sovereign system or for a public system or an independent system? Are they actually concerned about the ability to translate individual whims and you know and neuroticisms into policy that shapes the development of this technology and those are things that we just don't really seem to get access to you know at best we get concerns raised that um concerns raised from actors in ways that are just like a different geopolitical stance right we see uh, the european commissioner who's overseeing the sovereign satellite con- uh, constellation say space has become a highly contested domain where the European Union must safeguard its vital interests. The EU cannot afford to be reliant on others. And it's like, yeah, on one level, I get that, you know, the countries are going to issue statements talking about their national security and, and interests, but there are there's room still to talk about, like, what do you want space to be, right? And what vision is compatible and what visions are not compatible and, and who's driving the development of certain, you know, visions. Like we could name that, you know, the privatization of space is, yeah, of course, being accelerated by the United States. But it's also being largely accelerated by Starlink, which is cannibalizing the United States' capacity to, you know, even go into space in the first place, right? Um, or being used as a way to say, hey, we're bolstering the ability of the United States to go into space. And then also being integrated into the key part of an international coalition to go into space with these low Earth orbit satellites or to put up these low Earth orbit satellites, right? It's not much discussion, it seems, about like what people want with space, what people are going to do in space beyond like Musk is going to dominate, dominate space, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, we, we only just mentioned it, but also the irony here as well, that as much as he loves space, it's all about like, we need to be a spacefaring um, species and stuff like he is building an iron cage around the earth um, that is preventing us from, you know, not, not only just gathering information, right? Because astronomers have been really complaining a lot about this um as well because uh uh it, it's 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 affecting their ability to study and collect inf- data from the stars and from this from space um you know they've astronomers have documented how the devices have interviewed with uh, interfered with research telescopes they've warned about the risk of collisions um there are so many of these things in orbit that they are often mistaken for shooting stars um, you know, they, they, and, and, and each satellite is designed to work for about three and a half years. 
as the New York Times reports. So what happens when that's done, when when they're decommissioned in three and a half years? Um, do they just become low Earth orbit space junk? I mean, probably yes, right? Now, Elon's not going to pay for the, the, the orbital cleanup. Um, that's going to be something that like, the the bill is gonna be is gonna be put you know on someone else right it's gonna be the uh uh un it's gonna be i mean probably the, you know be the un or something right because no one country is going to want to um t- to pick up that tab either and so like the irony of wanting to be a spacefaring species but then completely um, locking us into <laughs> a, a planet because there's so like so much junk um, mere you know just a couple hundred miles above sea level um, flying around us well hey maybe we can hitch a ride onto you know see, like instead of snow piercer we can do a sky piercer and we can uh, you know hitch a secret ride into the rockets that are going up into the moon or going up into Mars that are going to pierce through the veil of the debris field, which is going to slowly strangle and suffocate the planet. Yeah. And, and maybe on the flip side of that as well, maybe this is actually, you know, the shield that wards away um, aliens. You know, they see, <laughs> they, they see 50,000 Starlink satellites uh, orbiting around Earth. <laughs> Ah uh, no 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 we no no we're good we're good just, uh, don't stop at this rest area. <laughs> it is so funny. Also, it's just like I'm thinking about like how we should probably respond to the fact that Elon Musk is doing this, and how everyone is reacting just makes me think of like that anecdote that went viral this weekend of of Angela Merkel refusing, uh, you know, in the middle of the Eurozone negotiations, uh when Obama told her that, you know, Germany would probably need to run a financial des- a, a fiscal deficit, just like starting to cry and saying, das ist, ist nicht fair. You know, like I'm not, it's not fair saying she's not going to commit suicide by running a deficit. And I feel like every time I hear people talk about what to do with Musk, you know, they're just like kind of sitting and, and angrily crying that it's not fair and that we need to protect Europe's sovereignty or Taiwan's sovereignty or, you know, this or that country's sovereignty. And no one has any idea about what to fucking do as if like it's not as if the I don't know. I mean, part of it is like since it's an American company, right, you can't exactly seize the infrastructure. But, you know, you don't have to be you don't have to be a fucking commie motherfucker like us to, to have a solution to uh starlink you know privatizing and and bomb rushing the fucking door but especially privatizing space right there are i would hope or maybe there aren't maybe we'll learn as we look more into it as for a follow-up because i think this would be a good you know you know story to follow up maybe we'll learn that actually there's not really much that can be done because they waited a little too long or maybe because there's like just a really weak regulatory framework in place right or maybe because nobody gives a single fuck or thinks that it's something they need to get involved in, right? Or intervene in. Who knows? I, I fear that it's that option, <laughs> you know, because we talked about like the Europe being like, we need our own sovereign satellite constellation. We're earmarking 2.4 billion euros for it. Um, you know, they, they're saying we might we might be ready to launch a satellite as early as 2027. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
<laughs> like bro too little too late um they 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 are uh they you know i just think they are locking themselves in to um a starlink future uh, 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 uh or you know it, uh, it's got or something real drastic like i say you know if it ain't if it ain't the uh uh black bagging and debriefing elon then you know uh what 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 you know what if this is the thing that actually finally gets him like nationalized or something right like the like targeted by actual real um governmental might uh i would i wouldn't at this point i wouldn't be surprised right like i was really shocked to learn as i as i admitted at the top of the show i was really shocked to learn to just what extent um star uh starlink has grown so exponentially has become this like real dominant um the, you know, company, uh, its technology is the, you know, ahead of everybody else in terms of the, the operations of it. And then the, the number, like I was really shocked to learn all of that. And so if, when it, at this point, I would not be surprised if that, if, if Starlink is the, is, is the real catalyst. It's a real, like, uh, there's a few options here. Um, and neither of, you know, all, all of them seem to be pretty consequential in terms of how Starlink is dealt with um, and in what way. Mm. What's your best case scenario here then? You know, what is the, what's the, we just fucked? You know, maybe he fucks around and finds out like hmm. for the last time. Maybe he likes, you know, he sells his services to one government who's not happy about another government getting it and someone does something awful. I mean, who knows? That best case scenario is certainly something like um, taking the wrong combination of pills one night and just, you know, not, not, <laughs> not seeing the morning. Right, right. That would be our best case scenario. Parody, for, uh, parody. For <laughs> I, don't, I, I love how Elon Musk, it's, uh, he, he has all this money, he gets all this responsibility, all these accolades takes more drugs than i do i can't even get a cdl because of all the weed i smoke but honestly i get it man you know <laughs> if i were him you know i fuck the bullshit man i don't it, i i would I, you know i'm making a deal with somebody you can do all the shit i'm supposed to be doing just let me do my drugs let me, let me make my drugs you know you know i get when i see that he's self-medicating with with ketamine i'm like you dumb motherfucker that's for horses i say uh, uh you know the day after i did some but but i get it you know i get it because if you have that much money what else are you gonna really do are you you're supposed to do capitalism you're supposed to have a fucking job would you work i mean well i say that as someone who wouldn't work uh if i had that much money but maybe these freaks would but i don't know i don't <laughs> think any of us if we had that much money would give a single fuck about a job you know, I know these people's egos are wrapped up in it and they really do believe in their companies or some of them do. They're really greedy or they have more money than God and it literally rots your brain and it hurts you and they're and the class analysis, blah blah you know, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But on a fun, more fundamental level, I don't get it. You know? Yeah. I on a on a very deep basic human level, I just don't really understand it. It's loser it's a shit. Corruption of the soul, Ed. It's why you don't understand it because I you, mean, you yeah. can't <laughs> You can't empathize with such corruption of the soul. They're the wrong type of degenerate, you know? <laughs> right. Why are you working? I think real best case scenario here, though, is probably something like 
Starlink being taken away from yeah. Elon Musk and, yeah, and being willing. governed by um, some kind of international body. You know, I mean, I mean, like best case scenario in terms of like what's actually like you know pragmatically possible in some way. Although even that seems pretty impossible. The idea that they would, you know take away the private you know a, a private enterprise or something but like yeah i mean be- best case scenario right is that like you know you don't have a ton of fucking satellites orbiting the earth um for you know for commercial purposes right that like you that that this is a com that this is one infrastructure in combination with many to ensure um you know uh, low cost, high speed, widely accessible um, internet access uh, to to people, um, rather than what we have, which is like this real fucking you know mishmash of lots of different types of infrastructures built on top of each other, none of which really work that well or very accessible or cheap, um, and and all of which create these like tangled networks uh, uh, of glut um, because there's no coordination between them, right? Like, yeah. I think that, that's the real actual best case scenario is to have some kind of real coordination among uh, in, uh, among different forms of internet infrastructure all governed for the purpose of widespread, low-cost, high-speed access to the internet for everybody who wants it. This book, this, I mean, this uh, report is going to make me revisit Lale uh, Khalili's, Lale Khalili's um, book, Sinews of War and Trade, I think it was. Mm. Um, yeah. Because a huge question I just had reading through this, you know, listening and talking through it is like, you know, one, what are the similarities between this and the, and the undersea cables for the internet in the sense of one where there are individuals and i don't remember if the book goes over this where there are individuals who accumulated who were singularly responsible for it and then accumulated geopolitical power for it and what if any obstacles were in the way to doing that and two if they were not then why was musk able to get to this position because it you know, is it really, is it, does it come down just to the fact of like how they're built out and that like a cable is just like s- such an intensive process and in actually in the fact that you actually have to traverse the ocean to lay it out versus like you can just build out a fucking factory and start spitting out satellites, you know, God will like, you know, God speed it whenever you want to, you know, I, I am interested in like yeah there's there's a lot that i would love to follow up on this and that's one of the things right like why what are the core differences between like this and other like invisible infrastructure that holds up the digital world and makes it possible and what you know what makes it that this motherfucker was able to corner the market because i think that's like a piece that the p the reporting didn't really answer i mean the reporting it does a really good job in like laying out the breadth and the depth of his control right but i'm you know i just came away with like a million questions about like how he was able to do it why he was able to do it um and the answers about why or the the ways in which why uh, why and how are presented through like really narrow commercial use cases that don't 
satisfy questions like i get that the military is a huge buyer i get that there has been a huge draw for this sort of stuff because of the ukraine war i get that he's also probably taken advantage of his contracts with nasa contracts with other governments to try to expand this shit that doesn't i still don't understand how you're able to navigate all the actors and and make sure one there are no copycats two there are no competitors three that no one also hits you with like a red light um in any of these countries in any of these places right like a lot of questions is it just the structure of you know how of 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 rules around low earth orbit where it doesn't really fucking matter what anyone says including your host country or you know is it like goodwill and lying and deceit or is it everybody's asleep at the wheel right you know um and what other parts of the digital world have this sort of invisible infrastructure where God forbid there's just some weirdo some weirdo motherfucker who would have just been like lurking in some subreddit if he were not like a wealthy Africaneer, you know? Like, <laughs> who, like who else is cornering some important integral part of the current digital world or the future digital world? I mean, I think those are the I think those are the are excellent questions. And you're right. Like those are things that are not touched on in this reporting, which just kind of takes for granted that like he's he's done it, right? And then it goes from there. Okay, he's done it. And then and then like what does that mean? But they don't even really go as far like to add to all of those extra like really dead on questions about like what allowed for this to happen? How could it happen? Why did he, why was he the one to do it? Like, I think following from that is also the, and what does it mean, right? Not yeah. not only what does it mean in the kind of like, you know, this, the, you know, all this reporting is for good reason, like pegged to the Ukrainian war. And so a lot of the like, what does this mean? Um, questions are kind of targeted towards like, what does this mean in terms of like the Ukrainian war? And then like kind of slightly broader, more general geopolitical things around like, you know, satellite sovereignty or, or, or military um, operations. But like, I think you're right as well in bringing up the standards bit earlier, like what does this mean going forward in terms of like what's possible and what's not possible because of other machinations that are happening or other negotiations and closed doors that are happening or or whatever it might be right like the piece doesn't really go on that either it just kind of reports and here are the plans for the number of satellites that um starlink plus a consortium of like five or six other companies plan to launch in the coming years it's like okay but like what does that mean um i I think you're right like this piece raises so many more questions than the answers and they're questions i don't have answers to myself um but i but i think you're right that they are questions that certainly deserve a lot more uh, uh critical attention to them for sure so Hopefully, we see some more of that happening around Starlink. Hopefully, this piece catalyzes, just as it did with me, a kind of recognition that, fuck, this is actually a, a, a really um, important company that uh, has just kind of flown under the radar. And But now, can we can't, like, we are long past the point of being able to afford to let it continue doing so. So... Um, yeah, no, I, I think a lot, a lot more here to that needs following up on um, than 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 what's uh, you know this is very much a starting point, not an end point. Uh, this article. Oh, 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 oh. 
All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you all for listening. You can find us at patreon.com slash this machine kills for additional premium episodes every single week. Um, we got some very cool stuff planned uh, uh, in the in the very near future. So subscribe, share the show, um, stick around for all that. And until next time, later. Adios. Don't get it twisted. This rap shit is mine, motherfuckers. A fucking game. Fuck what you heard. It's what you hearing. It's what you hearing. Listen. X go give it to you. Fuck wait for you to get it on your own. X go deliver to you. Knock knock. Open up the door. It's real. Hit the non-stop pop up. Stainless steel. Go hard getting busy with it. But I got such a good heart that I make a motherfucker wonder if you did. Damn right, and I do it again. Cause yeah. I am like so I got to win. Break bread with the enemy. No matter how many cats I break bread with, I break who you sending me. You motherfuckers never wanna know but your life saved. Bitch, and that's on a light day. I'm getting down. Make a nigga said freeze But won't be the one ending up on his knees Bitch, please If the only thing you can't steal was came out to play Stay out my way, motherfucker If we gonna rock, do we gonna roll? Do we let it pop? No, let it go What's X gon' give it to ya? He gon' give it to ya X gon' give it to ya He gon' give it to ya First we gonna rock, do we gonna roll? Do we let it pop? No, let it go X, X gon' give it to ya uh. He gon' give it to ya It's a shit to kill, 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 kill